Today on CityCast Denver. Last year's East Troublesome Fire burned more than 190,000 acres in and around Graham County, making it the second largest wildfire in our state's recorded history. It was traumatic and painful. Now, the Denver Center for the Performing Arts has a new show to help us process that shared trauma. It's called Wildfire, and it opens on Monday. Today is Wednesday, August 11th, 2021. I'm Bree Davies, and this is CityCast Denver. Playwright Jessica Kokoska, your latest work for the Denver Center for the Performing Arts is called Wildfire. Can you give us a lowdown on what the show is about? Absolutely. Wildfire is a theatrical concert, which is a phrase that we've sort of coined for this to encompass the fact that there's music and there's stories and there's characters and it's a play and it's a concert. You know, it, it acts like a lot of different things. So it's a theatrical concert that explores the human and emotional side of last year's fire season, particularly inspired by stories from the East Troublesome Fire. And also um, 8% of all of our ticket sales will be benefiting the Grand Foundation. So we encourage people to, you know, come out for that reason alone. And I mean, wildfires are obviously an ongoing issue for us. And this show opens next Monday and all the performances are supposed to be outdoors. And I feel like I have to ask you about the air quality because it seems like it might be difficult to have singers outside in these conditions. Is air changing anything about your plans for the play? You know, between doing a production outside anyways with rain and smoke and dealing with pandemic, I think that it is a huge part of the conversation, but that is a very complex conversation as is. So I think I think emotionally, it certainly adds a layer of urgency, especially as we're experiencing it this week in rehearsal, you know, there's nothing like being shrouded in smoke in Denver to make the themes of the piece feel too timely. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting too, because we're kind of, we're, we're still in this place where being outdoors is better pandemic wise, but then also we're sometimes being pushed indoors because of our climate change issues, so. Absolutely. That's that's actually something that comes up in some of the stories from last year's fire season, that sort of can't go inside, can't go outside. Where are we safe? Very deep human anxiety. Yeah. Um, so you were inspired to write the show because your family home in Colorado Springs was right in the middle of the Black Forest Fire in 2013. Can you tell me how that particular experience shaped your work? The week of the Black Forest Fire was the same week I graduated from college. And I, our house was safe, um, which was amazing. And my parents were evacuated for 12 days during my college graduation. And I think for me, as someone who was 22 when that happened, it very much rocked my idea of home being a constant thing or that these landscapes that we love always being there, which is obviously a type of grief um, to sort of separate yourself from the idea that land is constant or that, you know, these disasters are something that won't happen to us, you know, individually. So in preparation for this show, you did months of research and you conducted all these interviews with people who experienced Mm -hmm. the East Troublesome Fire last October. And then you wrote a script based off those real people's stories. 
Can you share some of what you learned from doing the interviews about that experience? You know, the the big themes are certainly that there's something societal that pushes us after these disasters to be like, well, it's done, the fire's out. It, we can all move on and ultimately we're all so lucky and that that is actually the opposite of what is happening emotionally for people um, just with, you know, when the fire's out, then in a lot of ways the story's just starting and the process of adjustment and grief and sifting through the losses is just starting and that, you know, our society doesn't really have the framework to support that. We sort of just rush in with like, I'm so sorry, I'm so glad it's over, I'm so glad you're okay, without sort of saying like, are we okay? Are you okay? Yeah, yeah. It it reminds me a little bit of, um, I visited New Orleans in 2015-ish, 10, 10 years after Katrina, and mm-hmm. it was still just passing conversation, a very present um thing that people talked about so Mm -hmm. you're right like that that urge or desire to push past something and be like well it's done it's just not real to the human experience it's not real to anyone right (laughs) like we you know when we lose something like a place it's just it's just hard to say okay just move on Mm -hmm. um which kind of leads me to the my next question that I even just hate saying out loud but it's such a real thing is like I feel that we've almost become desensitized to wildfire in the in this idea that like it's a season that rolls around every year and but we're continually hearing phrases in the news like most destructive fire in the state's history thousands of acres burned and I wonder how this avenue of theater can help us understand this issue on a more emotional level I agree with you and I think I would urge us not to think about that desensitization as like a moral failure on our part. I think it's because our human brains are not totally wired to process information in acreage. I actually don't really know how big an acre is. Like, of course I do. But but I think that that's something that comes up a lot. I was um, saying to our director last week, I'd read an article that the size of land that has burned in California is equivalent to the state of Massachusetts. But I also don't really know how big California is, and I don't really know how big Massachusetts is. So, you know, even those comparisons, I think they tick the part of your brain that's like, wow, but I don't know what that looks like in terms of deer or flowers or trails. Um, I think the most exciting part of a project like this is that we can use people to start to communicate the impact and we can use stories and that is something that our brains are wired to take in and to receive is the like we only have you know a fixed amount of characters on our stage but each one of them has a perspective and has a journey through this experience that can you know they can really take us with them and i think we understand disasters through people yeah, that's a great way to put it because like you're saying, it's hard to picture plots of land if you don't work. You know what I mean? If like I, I can't picture an well, acre Well, it's very either. conceptual yeah. or it's very abstract or it's something that you sort of like read and you think to yourself like, wow, but. Like I know this is supposed to be a lot. Yeah. But I don't know what that really means. Mm-hmm. I also think there's something about the East Troublesome Fire in particular that 
for me, you know, I remember where I was when I found out about it. I think if you love Rocky Mountain National Park, if you love Grand Lake, if you cherish what Grand County has to offer our state, then there was something that just felt so heartbreaking. And that's, you know, a, it's why I feel honored to, you know, use this Denver Center production to share those stories because I think there's a way that theater can slow down time and that we can say like, hey, everyone, hang on. I don't think we sat with that enough and I think we can show more empathy to our friends in Grand County. Um, how much does Wildfire as a production get into the topic of, or the side of this that's that's climate change? Because I mean, we can't talk about this issue without acknowledging that we're we're living through this experience where it's just getting worse. Yeah. I mean, wildfire deals with climate change in as much as every event in the play is in some capacity a byproduct of climate change. So I don't think, you know, there's it's not like there's a section of the show that, you know, tackles climate change. But really, this is a play about how it feels to be a human experiencing the effects of climate change. And I think about an audience member like me, I grew up here in Denver, but I don't necessarily have that deep personal connection to um, a situation where I might be in a wildfire or I might lose my community. What do you hope that audiences take away from this show? I think my first hope is that we can honor and reflect the experiences of the people who have been directly impacted by this, um, whether in Grand County or whether you know, a different event. And I think for people who haven't been through it, my hope is to crack open that empathy door. I do think there's, um, as you describe, especially when you're in a more urban part of Colorado, there's a sense of like, oh, well, that's not a city thing or that that can't happen here because we're not at risk. We're not metabolizing that information the same way. And, and you know, I hope this piece can help us sit with how that does feel and how that would feel and and you know as a result show up for these issues politically socially emotionally in a deeper way and my last question is about the music in the show because you talked about this sort of being a multimedia experience essentially and um so you utilized colorado-based folk artists like gregory allen isaacoff shell um, Danielle Rodriguez from Elephant Revival. Can you talk about your process for choosing the music that the actors in the show will be performing? When we work on plays with music or musicals, the question we ask in theater is, does it sing? And, you know, what sings about the story? What in the story sings? And to me, this is just a singing story. Um, a lot of times in our piece, the songs function as context or um, a companion to a moment or sort of enriching our understanding. So it's not like a book musical where the songs come in and like give information or the characters are directly singing and it moves it forward. It's sort of like these songs move the audience through the story, but through their own lyrics and images and, and feels. And we're so fortunate to have these songs in the piece and we're fortunate to have artists in Colorado that have given us such an amazing library to choose from.
Jessica, thank you so much for joining me. Thank you. Love like music box, lost at sea. The song you're hearing is Lost at Sea by Fort Collins band Shell. The song will be performed by the cast of Wildfire when the show opens at Levitt Pavilion on Monday, August 16th. We'll have a link to more details in our show notes. Here's what else is happening around Denver today. Denverite reports that Sloan's Lake has become the second Denver neighborhood to get city council approval for a large-scale rezoning to allow accessory dwelling units, also known as ADUs. This means homeowners can now build a second housing unit in their backyard, something Denver has long looked at as a solution to our affordable housing crisis. A few months ago, we spoke with Sean and Ben Johnson, a couple living in Sunnyside who hoped to build an ADU in their backyard for Sean's mom to live in. When we last spoke, they had been caught up in a battle with the zoning board. We checked in with the Johnsons recently, and they are still working on getting approval for that ADU, but we'll keep you updated. And the fight over whether businesses should require vaccines continues, with the latest news coming from former CityCast Denver guest and mayoral hopeful, Frank Venato. Nine News reports that his restaurant group is now making vaccines mandatory for staff and guests at his family of restaurants, like Luca, Mizuna, and his eight other establishments. Vaccine requirements for the restaurant empire will go into effect on September 30th. That's all for today here on CityCast Denver. If you enjoyed the show, why not take a minute to tell a friend about us, rate the show wherever you get your podcasts, and subscribe to our morning newsletter. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See ya! I just like looked over at my calendar for a second. I was like, today is the 10th, so tomorrow is the 11th.